Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast End of Year Special Part 1 with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist, podcaster and prisoner of Wales. <laughs> and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director and I'm a Covid experiencer. Yes, despite getting the vaccine, I got a breakthrough infection of Covid. So Shay was off last time and really I should be off this time. But uh, I, I, I'm going to persevere because I can't miss the end of year special. It's too special. It's end of year special. <laughs> I was going to call you delectable, but I laughed at my own joke uh, being a prisoner of Wales and it knocked it out of my head. It knocked my plan ski. Oh, well, maybe I can be delectable next time. But um, I also yeah. laughed at the prisoner in Wales. And joke, we promised so it, to be more delectable it. next time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I am in fine fettle and yet my brain is liquid. So, Well, fantastic. Um, my brain I've is... Uh, I've not, not been heavy. I've not been healthier for years. But Well, your, also... your brain is liquid and my brain is fog. So we've got water, we've got air. All we need is a little bit of fire and maybe some real down-to-earth picks. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to make this work <laughs> uh, to summon Captain Planet. We're going to have some heart in there as well, for sure. And um, yeah. Are you Dan. saying that Lilu from The Fifth Element is fog? Yeah. No, I'm talking about Captain that, Planet. The... <laughs> Earth, water, air. Oh, no, is it wind? Oh, forget it. Earth, wind and fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, oh, speaking... We're off to a good start. Speaking of earth, wind and fire, you need all of those things to make a computer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do, do you know what computers do? They make algorithms. And uh, normally, Dan, you have an algorithm at the ready for the end of year special but are you doing things differently this year yeah i'm i'm a lazy piece of shit and i haven't done it uh no i i was i was sort of frantically entering things to to sadden myself by putting my top 10 in an order that i didn't approve of (laughs) which is normally what happens when my algorithm takes over um today and then uh Roz my workshop manager uh told me she hated it and it's a terrible system and I was like yes that's the point that's funny she's like is that fucking funny though is it is it funny I'm like oh yeah no maybe it isn't actually funny so I'm not going to do that this year uh I'm going to do another thing well please uh, bring it back I, next year yeah. because it <laughs> well is maybe funny. next time maybe for it, the second it, half it is very funny. I actually talked to Shay about this and I was hoping that you would do your algorithm because it is funny and Shay also finds it funny. What's not funny about a man being imprisoned <laughs> within his own top <laughs> ten? His own... <laughs> well, you know what? I have actually put in all the stuff. So although I haven't calculated the aggregate, because I yeah. rewrite the e- equation every year and I haven't yeah. done that this year. But yeah. I could just copy the uh, equation over from last year and it would just work it all out for me. I oh, think God, it, am I going to do that? I think it might be a little bit too late because we are actually recording right now. Um, I mean, so. you, you say that, Sam, but there is, no, there is no hubris that I cannot undertake. <laughs> well, look, maybe I should go first and um, you can, in the background, reorder your, uh, your, your list, uh, which is also actually complicated by the fact that for me, this is the first time I don't have a complete list ready to go. So, um, and I mean by that, a top 10 list. So mine this year is going to be out of order. It's not going to be the worst ones at 10, the best ones at one. Though I think I probably will still put the best one at one. 
um, because I still think I'm yet to see my top film of 2023. Um, yeah, there's just still loads I need to see. I got sick when I was going to do my normal end of year cinema trawl. So yeah, um, the marathon. The marathon. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's still stuff I need to see that hopefully will end up in my top five. But maybe I'll do some reorganising at the end. So yeah, it's chaotic this year, beloved Arrowheads. It, it's very chaotic, but hopefully fun, right? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon we've got a good <laughs> chance of it being at least passable. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're aiming for. It really is. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start then with a, a possibly under the radar movie. I do like to try to recommend more unusual stuff. And uh, this is one that I don't think got the acclaim that maybe it deserved. Uh, it's called Rice Boy Sleeps. And it's set in the 90s. And it follows a, a Korean single mother who's emigrated to Canada to raise her young son following the death of his father. And it's basically exactly the kind of movie I always end up watching at Cannes, like realistic dramas that have sadness seeped into every single second. And it, it covers a wide range of very, very upsetting themes, including racism, death, disease, you know, all the good stuff. Uh, but it all coalesces into a profoundly beautiful and very human piece of work. Like, I really did love this one, even though it totally broke me. And it's set in the 90s and, and it does remind me of 90s cinema quite a bit. Like it could be um, like a Richard Linklater movie, maybe. Or if I was to give it a more modern comparison, then it really did remind me of Moonlight in places. So um, that's the kind of thing you're in for. But um, Rice Boy Sleeps, if you want a good cry, I recommend my number 10 movie of 2023. Dan, what's at number 10 for you? It's a tiny indie film uh, called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's to be honest, that's another underseen movie, right? Because it's really good and didn't do very well. Yeah, I like so, you know, if you do a, a graph of money spent on a film and how sad everyone involved is that people didn't appreciate it more, then I think this one might actually be like right at the top of that because it was a it was quite an expensive film. They obviously spent a lot of money making it look very good. There's some beautiful practical effects in it that didn't need to be practical. There's oh, wow. a, a bird man in it who's fucking hilarious. And uh, but it's it's a really fucking fun film. Like it's exactly what I wanted from this kind of thing, and exactly what this like this intellectual property has never been able to deliver before. It's a a really like comfortable Sunday afternoon movie. It's not going to reposition your opinion on the world and it's not going to solve any great injustices but it's very very technically proficient the jokes land it's visually beautiful it's honor it honors the the dnd like origins well without ostracizing a casual viewer it's yeah it, it, it's basically got pretty much everything you could ask for for an adaptation of a fucking roleplay game it's great it, yeah, it's very funny. It's very, very funny. And and it's reverent to the source. Yeah, I, I haven't actually caught this one yet, but the feedback I get from my friends, especially like my D&D &D friends, is that it does feel like 
watching it feels like playing a Dungeons and Dragons game with a really funny dungeon master basically it's got the structure yeah. of a, a game so I don't know how that will work but I, I'm going to catch it hopefully before uh, our next record so maybe it'll be in my top five of the year who knows there you go I, I genuinely think you'd really enjoy it like your your lack of in, like your lack of oh yeah fuck yeah of course made me think it, there was a good chance you hadn't seen it because like, yeah. I feel like this is very up your street Oh, excellent. Yeah, no, I'll check it out for sure. And next up from me at number nine is uh, a bit of a wild card, actually, because I only watched this last night. I did kind of watch it in two parts because <laughs> it's a very long film and uh, I, I have responsibilities <laughs> in the house uh, these days. Um, so, yeah, uh, that stirring recommendation is for uh, a film I like to call uh, Mission Impossible dead reckoning part one but unfortunately i don't think they're gonna like to call it that because they've since cancelled the concept of the next one being dead reckoning part two they're going to give it a completely different title because this one was a complete flopper rooney as with dungeons and dragons a lot of money was spent and a lot of people were very disappointed but i honestly don't know why it flopped so hard i thought it was absolutely fantastic like maybe it's the plot because there's kind of an AI villain in it. And I think people probably are a bit fed up of AI by this point or, you know, find it boring or whatever. But Jesus Christ, the action set pieces in this thing were mind blowing. Like so, so good. I always like to try and throw at least one action film into my top 10. And um, yeah, I do think this is going to be it. Because uh, it felt like watching, I don't know, maybe 15 Hitchcock movies squeezed into one, Um, (laughs) you know, without his visual literacy, let's put it that way. There's none of that in here. But in terms of using action to thrill, but also to amuse, uh, I didn't see much better this year. Like there's some genuinely very funny parts in this movie and some genuinely really adrenaline spiking Um, sequences and set pieces Tom Cruise people either love him or hate him but he is trying very hard in this film to make it as entertaining as possible for for everyone involved so it is a shame that that more people weren't entertained by it but I do definitely recommend giving it a watch I know it's almost three hours long and I know you might feel like you've seen it all before but yeah, I really thought this was a special one. Great music too. It's one of those movies where you feel like the score's playing almost constantly underneath, but it, it never gets distracting. It really does help immerse you into what's going on. That was uh, a last minute edition, but Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. You are at number nine in my top 23 list of the year. Dan, have you seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? Yeah, Jen and I uh, went to go and see uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 at the cinema together. I'll be completely honest, it left me a little cold. Like, there's some some fun stuff in it, certainly. And and I do think that some of the issue with it is this kind of amorphous, slightly MacGuffin-y AI uh villain because it doesn't really feel tackleable in any real world sense yes um and then i don't know like there was some there were some fantastic moments in it some very nice cinematography the stuff in the airport's really beautifully shot um so it's certainly not without its merits and i think it was the better of the mission impossible i've seen recently i remember everyone went absolutely gaga for if not the most recent one before then the one before that i can't remember and and i thought it was it was a bit better than that but but yeah it didn't it didn't quite 
bite for me. There's a there's a, a fight on a bridge in the third act that I think they meant to be like super super impressive, but it just felt like obscured. It didn't right. I don't know. Like you, you and I have watched so many like Asian action films and martial arts films and that kind of stuff that I think from a something has to be very inventive um, to really like hit with us because we, as you said, you know, maybe you've seen it all before. I think we have. Like I remember in the one that everyone went apeshit for. There's that helicopter stuff, which is like in a real world sense incredibly impressive because. It's like he's doing it for real. It's genuinely death-defying. That's some like evil can evil shit. But like, I didn't think that that translated particularly well to the screen. You know, it's a relatively like overcast sky. There's not a lot of background to go on. There's no real mm-hmm. like visual location. And I think that sometimes these things get like in that instance, it felt like the 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 filmic literacy we i mean you said you're missing hitchcock's visual literacy i I think the spectacle of what's being done in the real world overshadows like how well that works on the screen and a lot of people enjoyed it so you know i'm not saying they're wrong but also a lot of people were told this is very impressive and i know it's impressive and i'd love to see it for real and i'm very excited that tom cruise wants to kill himself for our entertainment but (laughs) But like it, but it didn't for me. Like that could never compete to like Jean Paul Bamondo fo- jumping out of a biplane, going at a third the speed, and probably only risking his life like a tenth as much. Probably risking um, his ankle as opposed to his life. <laughs> well, I mean, but the thing is, he probably was risking his life. But that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like by a metric of what? Like you can't be ten times dead. Yes. Yeah, I. You know, I, totally- I don't know. Yeah, no, I I hear that. And I do wonder, the reason I'm kind of laughing a little bit about the fact I've included it is I do wonder how I'm going to feel about it on a rewatch, for example, Um, because I did go into it with such low expectations and it was almost like homework, like, well, this is one of the big movies of the year. I should I should watch it for the top 10 just in case, because obviously I included Top Gun Maverick last year and I stand by that still. I fucking love that film. Um, And I certainly don't feel as passionately about this as I did about that. But I do think it's relatively underseen, obviously, because of the box office and because of that intimidating runtime. And I I honestly do think that, like, you know, the the car chase in Rome, I fucking love that so much. I really love some nice references in there, certainly for us. Yeah. And 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 even stuff like in the airport, I completely agree. Beautifully filmed and. I won't spoil it, but there's a shot where, let's put it this way, he's running in the background of a shot. And yes, that is exactly what was in my mind when I said it was beautifully shot as well. It's exactly, so satisfying, that shot. It's so satisfying and and really playful and almost satirical in a weird kind of way. And that was actually one of the first points where I was like, oh, actually, this this actually is really good. And then you get the Rome car chase and the not as much of a fan as the the first half of the train stuff at the end but the way it all concludes i fucking loved yeah i think a little bit too much cgi in this this is the first one where i've really noticed the cgi and i think they they committed an absolute mission impossible sin which is they incorporated cgi into tom cruise's big stunt of the movie I, I yeah. know exactly why they did it. I've I've watched the behind the scenes thing and and you know, it really is only to take out a, a ramp 
and replace it with like rocky mountains but it looks so shit that it has an impact on the overall feel of the stunt and how dangerous it is so you know minus points for that but still it's in my top 10 of the year (laughs) i might regret this when i get into my top five uh next time when i don't have as many slots as i was hoping for but yeah mission impossible dead reckoning part one my number nine what's your number nine i'm just gonna quickly say that everyone should go out and watch way of the gun christopher mccrory who directed the the last three mission impossible movies uh sort of fell into being tom cruise's guy after doing the jack reacher movie but he uh before that was which i also love by the way the Jack Reacher movie is great. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. fantastic. And he, you know, before that, he was very much known as the guy that wrote Usual Suspects. I mean, like, Suspects, you know, yeah. what a what an accolade. But he directed another film that absolutely fucking flopped at the box office, uh, Way of the Gun, which I think audiences, particularly American audiences, just weren't ready um, to be yeah. as fucking dark and nasty as it was. Um, which is a Benicio del Toro, Ryan Felipe, uh, like crime thing with Juliet Lewis and James Kahn and it and Tay Diggs it's fucking great like it's everything yeah. about it is wonderful uh and it's got the best uh talk, you know you talk about the amazing car chase in um in the new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 but um the slow car chase at the beginning of uh of Way of the Gun fucking great and that yeah. uh and that moment with Felipe's arm in the fountain in the third act I still reference uh, to this day from an effects standpoint as well KMB did the effects for it it's fucking gorgeous um yeah, yeah it's so good um so like I enjoy Macquarie's stuff like I think he's a very competent director but he's kind of fallen into just doing these cruise things now post Reacher and the the one film he's directed without Tom Cruise in it because he wrote Top Gun as well didn't he he wrote the he wrote the yeah. Top Gun movie or was yeah, one yeah. of the writers Maverick, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like he's obviously like you know him and Tom like that now but like definitely Way of the Gun like I fucking wish he'd make more movies like that that was so good I mean obviously he's not going to it made no money and presumably kept him from directing for quite a while but did, um, yeah. oh, also sec- secondary recommendation: the audio commentary on Way of the Gun, <laughs> which is amazing. Is that a drunk commentary? A, I can't remember. It's not a drunk commentary, but it's a it's a it's a very honest commentary. Right. A, yeah. So Way of the Gun starts with this amazing sequence. You obviously know this, Sam. This is for our listeners. Way of the Gun starts with this amazing sequence where Del Toro and Felipe are counting out money while sat on the bonnets of cars outside a club, uh, and a guy with big hair. Uh, and his very loudmouth girlfriend, played by an early career Sarah Silverman, come over and start like shouting at them. Except it's mostly Sarah Silverman, and she's big, like really over the top, obnoxious. Like dial it up to eleven, and then push it another couple. Um, and uh, and I, I won't say what happens at the end of that scene because it's such a great opening scene. I don't want to spoil it, even like within the first couple of minutes. But when they're watching the audio commentary, Macquarie's talking about the fact that him and a friend used to walk their dogs in the park in New York where uh, these guys would play Ultimate Frisbee. And the Ultimate Frisbee guys would always be really aggro to them and come over and start and try start like trouble and his friend was like what do we do if we get in a fight we don't know how to fight like we can't beat them they're athletes and so what happens at the end of that opening scene was uh christopher mccurry and his friend's plan should it ever go down oh my God. <laughs> with the ultimate frisbee guys in new york and luckily it never came to it uh yeah, which is very why christopher mccurry is allowed to make movies rather than being yeah. in prison <laughs> yeah amazing Excellent. Well, uh, where have the gun? That was Dan's number nine of 2023. From 2023. 
the system. God, I fucking. But I want there to be a nice re-release of that. I've still only got my American DVD. No, my um, my number nine is an Irish comedy, uh, directed by George Kane uh, and starring David Earle, who British audiences might know as Brian Gittings or that guy with the plastic bag out of Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais thing. It's called Apocalypse Clown. It's available on streaming to little to no uh, fanfare, which is very sad. It feels like the entire film catalogue of Alex de la Iglesias uh, was put in a blender with the early novels of Colin Bateman, who I'm aware is Northern Irish, so I'm sorry, George. Uh, a bunch of clowns spend the night in the drunk tank after a fight breaks out at a clown funeral. And uh, and by the time they leave, a solar flare has wiped out, uh, apparently a solar flare, has wiped out uh, the electrical grids on Earth. And civilization has collapsed remarkably quickly. <laughs> um, and what progresses is a, a very funny... Like, it, you know, those of you who... There's a, a name I'm deliberately dancing around obviously um but those of you who are fans of the the out the comic art output of ireland uh will know the tone i refer to when i talk about this sort of like grim sardonic comedy from ireland um absolutely like super present here absolutely hilarious obviously um uh, david earl isn't irish himself he's a sort of a a British character within this otherwise Irish film. It's um, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's a little rough around the edges. Um, it's an indie film, but I, I think all that can be forgiven. It's not every joke lands, but it, there are enough of them and often enough. And this is something I'll say about another film down the list. I think that it's it's pretty relentless. It's pretty consistently brilliant. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and it, it's another one that kind of came out of nowhere for me. So yeah, Apocalypse Clown fantastic i haven't seen that one yet so that's another one to watch in the next couple of weeks i could just be repeating your 10 to 6 in my 5 to 1 at this rate but let's see um because i have a different movie as well at number eight uh one that i don't think you'll have seen dan but i could be wrong uh rmn have you seen rmn i have not it it basically it played at Cannes last year but was finally released in the states this year I don't know what its UK release dates were looking like, but it's basically a a real slow burn exploration of racism as several Sri Lankan immigrants are hired to work in a Romanian bakery and they face a backlash from locals who didn't even want the jobs when they were first advertised, but they're now pissed off that they've gone to outsiders. It features characters and shots that really stay with you uh, with a hint of the surreal and it does all build to an ending that I think was quite divisive. The last moments are kind of very surreal, but everything that leads up to that point is just so kind of unique and special. Um, it's got a feel of kind of folk horror in places and, you know, very naturalistic Ken Loach style drama in other places. It's a very, very unique film with very unusual approaches to its theme i guess its theme and its tone very very unique i really really enjoyed it and it's from uh christian monju who people will probably know better from four months three weeks and two days um he also did graduation and uh, beyond the hills which is another great one so yeah if you like those movies i i think this is a kind of escalation of um, his kind of approach to style and form without sounding too pretentious. RMN, 
So another kind of bleak one. I guess I'm having a bleak year. I recommend it. <laughs> Dan, what's uh, what's next from you? I like bleak. I haven't seen that. I'm going to check that out. Uh, next is one I've actually mentioned previously on the podcast. It was one of my weekly recommendations a while back. It's The Civil Dead, directed by Clay Tatum. Oh, um, yeah. Written by him and Witha Thomas. They, uh, Whitman Thomas, they they star in it together it's a mumble gore i guess it's, there's no real gore in it um <laughs> it's a uh it's it's ostensibly a horror film but it's mostly a comedy until the last like 10 minutes when it really kicks you in the face absolutely adored it like it again came out of nowhere it's on one of the vinegar syndrome partner labels is how i saw it uh, on blu-ray in the states i don't think it's had an official release in the uk but obviously uh you know you guys can import the the disc i'm pretty sure it's region free it's um yeah it, it's absolutely fantastic a, a guy a, a, it's got some you know some fun slacker vibes to it a guy's just trying to have a, a lazy weekend while his girlfriend's out of town uh, and a, a, a guy from his past who he hasn't seen for years turns up and just won't fuck off and there's uh, it's all about that kind of awkwardness there and then there's a, a sort of a supernatural element that i don't really want to go into i didn't didn't go onto it last time and I, I won't do this time either but but it's it's yeah it's good and it's got lots of pathos in it and like gentle like situational comedy without being like a laugh track kind of thing and then in the last five minutes it will uh, it'll break you a bit hey wow sounds good sounds great i had heard of this one um the civil dead but i think i'd so recently watched the curse of the screaming dead for the first time uh, aka yeah, curse, very different curse of the cannibal confederates aka it could have been called the civil dead it would have made sense but yeah i hated that so much that it tarnished uh this film that has literally nothing to do <laughs> with uh that was that was vinegar syndrome as well wasn't it it was exactly yeah so um yeah very yeah. very different yeah. kettle of terrible fish <laughs> yeah all right well let's move on to my next choice and we're at number seven so that means that babylon is my next recommendation now I'm pretty fascinated by all eras of filmmaking from the silent era to the studio system right up to the current pustulant saw known as the age of streaming and I love movies about movies so Babylon which was the first film I saw on the big screen in 2023 has remained on my list throughout the year it feels like Paul Thomas Anderson for the most part it feels like uh, a take on Boogie Nights but in that period it really feels like boogie nights in the silent era um but there's also some lynchian moments and an occasional cohen brothers style comedic tone and it's actually crazy how many wild tonal shifts this movie fits into three hours and it just doesn't stop moving the energy of this thing is insane culminating in for me the most audacious montage i've seen in theaters this year it's both a celebration of cinema and a eulogy um, if cinema really is on the way out, as it seems to be in the second half of this year. Then the final moments of Babylon is a, a pretty great way to close the curtain. I don't want cinema to be dead, but if it's going to die, then um, this is a, a pretty sweet tribute to it. Dan, I imagine you've seen Babylon and I imagine you don't like it. What are your thoughts on this movie? Um, I decided pretty early on that I wasn't going to bother. And I have heard from a number of people that I probably made the wrong decision. But I've not rectified it yet. <laughs> well, there's still time. You've got a couple of weeks. But yeah, it's fucking fantastic. I, I really, really 
it's another one where I'm like, well, I better see this one. You know, it's the new film from an important director. I know it's very long and I know people haven't liked it, but I'm going to watch it anyway. And I'm so glad that I've pushed myself to do these things because it, it really was literally the first film I saw this year and it stayed with me throughout. I, I really loved it. So, yeah, hopefully you get a chance to check it out. What's next from you? Uh, next from me is uh, quite a, a big film. <laughs> another another uh, large one. Maybe even bigger than Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And it's Barbie, Sam. Oh, Barbie. Interesting. I, I think I think if, if Barbie had succeeded as a marketing exercise, it probably wouldn't have made the list. But, I, I mean, I very much enjoyed it. I went with my entire staff to see it and had a great time. But I think really the thing that really pushed it over the edge is that it hasn't worked as an advert and Mattel have not increased their sales. <laughs> because I was I was very pleased at a bunch of the stuff that Go had kind of managed to like sneak through in this. Like it very much felt like she'd been given a project and the marketing department over at Mattel were like, we should just listen to her. She knows what she's doing. It's very weird and we don't understand it. And I don't think we even like it, but we can't can't stop her. We've put all our faith in it and we're just going to let her do the thing. And then when she's like, I want this one, I want this Ken in the background. And they're like, that one, the one that we withdrew? And they're like, yep, put that one, put Cochrane Ken in it. Like there's, it, it feels like it's lambasting enough. And when I first heard about it, I was reluctant. And then people were talking really positively about it. This was, you know, very early doors. So I went to see it at the cinema with my staff. Had an absolutely lovely time. We met up for uh, Mexican food in uh, in Brixton. And then we all went to the Peck and Plex to watch it. Had a lovely time full of, full of tequila. <laughs> and it felt like... I think one of the... Th I said to Jen after I saw it, because she saw it a few, a few days later... Um, it it's you can't write off something super capitalist and super commercial for being that if it has someone at the helm who is willing to disrupt all of that to do something that they want to do and i think that it's like when you manage to get someone who kind of works within the system and can and slip under the radar in the way that Gerwig did with this because she's very much playing by their rules in the essence of it it's kind of she's following the letter of the law not the spirit of the law and so there are certainly places where i wish it had pushed a bit harder but like i said the the thing that really makes me pleased about it in the end is the fact that a she said she wouldn't do another one good on her and b it didn't work it didn't work as a marketing exercise they saw a very small spike in sales and then it just plateaued again like it has not brought the barbie brand back to the like the high point of, mar of of market share that it once had and i think that plus all the stuff about cochrane ken that it put back into the into the public discourse just like show that modern marketing is dead no one knows what the fuck they're up to and maybe we should just let the artists have a crack yeah yeah i i also saw this one i went with the kids with shay you know i think everyone was wearing something pink um we really kind of joined in with the spirit of it and yeah, Shay and I were particularly disappointed by it. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. And I, but I do wonder how much the nostalgia of the memory of seeing it full of tequila and surrounded by lots of friends may have impacted. I don't know if you've watched it since, but um, yeah, I, I just, not. again, like with Mission, how you felt about Mission Impossible, I felt this, I felt like nothing I hadn't seen before. It wasn't as, as radical and as exciting as everyone was saying. It actually felt like, uh, you know, 
an SNL movie meets the Lego movie to me, basically. It felt like a, a really extended SNL skit, which wasn't helped by the fact that, you know, Ryan Gosling had a big song that really felt very SNL-y. Um, I enjoyed the song. I enjoyed the music. The, the performances were fine. I wish Margot Robbie had been a bit more kind of charismatic and engaging. I think that Ryan Gosling stole the movie from her. And you, you talk about the uplifting sales. Apparently, the Ken and Alan dolls were the ones that really sold well after the movie was released. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure that's what was intended. Um, maybe it was. Who knows? But it just didn't work for me. It really didn't. Um, structurally and how much I cared for the characters. Yeah, it just really didn't work. And I absolutely hated <laughs> the final line. I hated that it all built up to this kind of shit punchline. For me personally, and I know <laughs> there's so many rabid Barbie maniacs out there. Please don't come for me. Just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that you can't like it. And I support the idea of Greta Gerwig doing, trying to do something like indie and unique with a property like this. Every, I agree with everything you just said, Dan. But for me, it just didn't succeed. But for the vast majority of the world, it did. It was a huge hit and people loved it. So, you know good for Greta, um, good for humanity. But um, yeah, I just thought it was a, a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, fine. Yeah, all good. Like you said, not everyone has to like the same things. I'm, I'm exactly. quite amused at how, how virulent your dislike of it is. I was just really disappointed. I was really excited about it. But it sounds like you saw the film that I wanted to see. So I'm glad, like genuinely glad. And I'm glad it's on your list. It's it's good opportunity to talk about it um my next film is gonna be one that you're not gonna have a single controversial viewpoint on it because i don't think you've seen it i'm not sure how many people have actually seen this one but i fucking loved the beasts have you seen the beasts dan i don't think i have some well it's uh it's a lovely lovely french film beautifully beautifully paced it's it's almost two and a half hours long, but not a moment is wasted. You really do only see what you need to see. And if great drama comes from conflict, this really has it in every single scene. It kind of throws you in the deep end, takes a little, you know, a second or two to get your bearings in the plot. But it's ostensibly about a French farmer who's moved to Spain and has offended the locals. Not going to say how, but um, people are pretty pissed off at him. And it sets into motion a situation that really does produce almost constant tension. Uh, the acting is superb. There's so much simmering under the surface in, in every single scene. And it just builds and builds to an incredible third act. The, the last hour is just astonishing. Like so unpredictable and beautifully written. Stay away from any kind of discussion of this movie because it is based on a true story and I didn't know the true story before I watched it and so everything was a surprise to me but I think if you know the true story then some of the impact will be removed because the way this thing's structured it, it really does benefit from not knowing anything about it going into it. So I won't say anything uh, more about it in that spirit but the Beasts, it's at my number six. It actually was going to be my number one, but I hadn't seen enough for my bottom five. So <laughs> I pushed it down into my bottom five. Um, so let's see pop, what pop treats a banger in the bottom five. Time. 
yeah yeah exactly but we'll we'll see what's ahead of us next time because that's it for me um but you've got one more film left right i do have one more and classically like every year uh my last film in the uh in the first half is a musical oh what (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah in fact namely uh this is larry charles's adaptation of the stage play fucking identical twins uh, which has been retitled for the screen uh dicks the musical Ah, and yes. it is the, the the theme of this episode seems to be it did very poorly at the box office but we liked right? it <laughs> yeah i think there have been some exceptions barbie did quite well but you didn't like it so there you yeah. go but yeah dick the musical it's rough around the edges about about 20 25 of the jokes don't work but they are so thick and so fast it's it's exhaustingly funny is the best way to describe it. I cried with laughter more than once, which is a, a very good sign for a comedy. It's got Ghoulies level rubber puppets in it, which, you know, what more could you possibly ask for? Right. Except yeah, yeah. Nathan Lane spitting chewed up meat into the faces of Ghoulies level rubber puppets. <laughs> it's, wow. yeah, it's, it's great. It's absolutely great. It's super offensive. A lot of people won't like it for, for very obvious reasons. Uh, and they're wrong it's it's very very funny i like i was having a conversation with a friend of mine about it um and he maintained that the absolutely shit ass cinematography is a joke is a is part of it and i wouldn't put it past larry charles to have done that deliberately i mean there are some there are some shots where it's like that that's poor enough that that has to be deliberate like who the fuck couldn't see that dolly track in shot but it's but they're not quite ostentatious enough to be jokes so the, the cinematography is pretty fucking bad like it's always struggling to find its point like the cameraman is like about a beat behind the action all the way with the exception of one musical number which makes me very much think that this musical guest had their own cinematography team but that aside it's fucking great like honestly the um that you know when you come across like i didn't know the two guys uh aaron jackson and josh something or other uh the two stars and writers who wrote the the play that it's based on absolutely fantastic very very funny but you know when you come across a new comedian and like it's like they have funny bones but like funny bones that were genetically engineered for you mm-hmm. that 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 turns of phrase intonation just like little things absolutely fucking creasing me up all the way through like individual lines that are not jokes but because of the way that they are delivered, because of the cadence and the and the tone with which these guys deliver jokes, absolutely like creasing me up. It's very very funny. It's the Parent Trap, Sam. It's the Parent Trap with grown men. So the two the two guys in it. It starts with incredibly small spoiler alert. It starts with a black screen. Titles come up and it says something along the lines of, and I paraphrase, written by uh, two gay men, uh, the first time gay men have ever written anything, and now in the film they will portray. Uh, they will bravely portray two heterosexual men, brackets, bravely. And then the first, like, five minutes of it is basically setting up these two straight characters who are both the best in sales at their respective companies. And they're just singing about, like, how many big titty girlfriends they've got. Like, how super straight they are. Right. <laughs> and they and they never break that, like, tone. It's, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. And then they, and then oh, they meet cool. and they discover that they're identical twins uh and and the and the refrain in the last song is one of the most offensive chorus lines i've ever heard in my life and i loved it 
Amazing. Well, I love, love, love Larry Charles. So um, I'll definitely have to add that to my watch list. My God, I've got so much to watch before the next episode. Um, I think I've actually done a kind of not a parent trap situation, but a Freaky Friday situation because I think I've swapped with you because I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up being pissed off at some of my own choices next time. That Some stuff that I put in this uh, bottom five that uh, I wish I would have reserved space for. And it's all my own doing. It's all my own fault, just like you with your algorithm. So um, I can be the comedy uh, pratfalling person this time, Dan. I'm, I'm happy to take that. You know, in Trapped in a prison of your own making. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, speaking of prison, you need to get back to Wales and uh, I need to get back to my bed. So we're going we're gonna to bring it to a halt here. But do get in touch uh, on, on, you know, whatever social media platform you use. Let us know what your recommendations for 2023 are because I've still got spaces in my top five. So if there's anything I really need to catch, please let me know. Uh, and the same for Dan, I'm sure. Dan always likes a recommendation, right? Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, right. I'll take them. I mean, I don't know how much time I've got to watch things between now and the next time, but I'll give it a go. I'll give it a good goddamn yeah. go. How can people send you those recommendations? I'm at 13fingerfx on pretty much everything. Uh, you can add dot blue sky after that if you need to for the requisite places. I did recently get a stern letter from Instagram about posting pictures of Alexander Skarsgård's penis, so I don't know how much longer <laughs> I'll be on that platform. Uh, and then the other one that I use is on fire. So maybe that one won't be around for long either. But yeah, come say hi, recommend me films. I like talking about films. Yeah, and what I'll do is I think I might just do an Instagram post specifically calling out for recommendations um, for people's favourite movies of the year. So if you head on over to at Sam Asher's 23, the number two, the number three on Instagram, um, that's where you can leave me a comment recommending um, what I should be seeing before the, ne the next episode. And uh, yeah, that is it. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional. Promise to be more delectable next time. <laughs> next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.